Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Pursuit from Bourbon to Brand. However you found us, we're so glad you're here as we get behind the scenes with the Pursuit Spirits brand. I'm your host, Brian Bikey, and joining me, we have Kenny and fresh out of his meat coma, Ryan Cecil. Hey. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. I Is it love, the meat sweats? Is it the meat sweats? I, I love the meat sweats, and I love the bourbon industry. You know, I actually ended up picking up two slabs of ribs this past week. I, I plan on getting myself into some some meat coma this this action this weekend. Yeah, I just had a 44-ounce bonus. All that. <laughs> what in the world? You ordering all this Snake River stuff and making That was a Christmas steaks? present for my brother-in-law, and I was like, then I looked at the price. I was like, damn, you gave me a $130 piece of steak. <laughs> But it was delicious. I mean, it was so good. That's delicious. Sounds good. Yeah. I'll have to invite you all over next time. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, next time. There's my always kids, me at next time. My kids just got to eat like kings and queens. And it's like, I got like Ponderosa sirloin growing up. You got freaking Snake River Wagyu, <laughs> freaking Bonin Cowboy. Anywho. Ponderosa, you've, man. You've that's a step up from one. the Golden Corral where I used to go. Well, if anybody needs a little memory jog of... Kenny's first oh, yeah, you ever were, job that's right. was at a Ponderosa. Yep. Worked my way from dishwasher to steak cook and everything else, server and whatnot. So that was those the are the foundation th- for, for old Kenny. Yeah, that's and that's what makes me such hospitable person that I am today. <laughs> and why I know how to it, it, it seriously did teach you how to cook a steak back then. Because I used to make a hundred of them every single night, and you would just know exactly what was medium, what was medium rare, what was you didn't have a well. thermo pen. No, I mean you could do it without it. Like you knew exactly like how long you get to see when the blood rises to the top when I actually flip it over. Like that was, I had I had a I had a pretty good knack for it. When I quit, I put in my resignation. They offered to pay me more, but I I, <laughs> I said I think I've had my time here. They're like, we'll give you fifty cents more an hour. It's literally what they said. <laughs> yeah. I know it's, it's, you think about like what you work for when, like in high school, I work, I used to work for like $5 an hour weed eating around distillery warehouses for eight hours and my hands would vibrate for like two weeks afterwards. It's like, how the hell did I work for that? <laughs> Everything you did for 40 bucks, huh? Yeah. Now I'd spend $5 on almond milk cappuccinos a daily at Quills <laughs> and don't even think twice about it. Hey, and we appreciate <laughs> you for it. That's right. <laughs> if you actually want to hear more about meats. Uh, and, and if you haven't already seen it, uh, I'll link it in the show notes for this episode. Or Ryan was recently on an episode uh, of Meat Church where they talked about uh, barbecue and whiskey pairings. He also made some delicious bourbon cocktails. So again, I'll, I'll link that video in the notes for those of you who peruse through those show notes and have yet to turn into that video. Plus, yep. if you're working on the coffee side of things, Brian, your episode of Bourbon Pursuit airs on March 30th. So we got two weeks and you're going to have your, your your little little spotlight. Heck yeah. I can't wait to listen back to it and be like, because I just came back from Origin. Uh, we were in Guatemala. I can't wait to listen back to it and be like, oh my gosh, everything I said is so wrong compared to what it was like when I was there. So we'll see, you know. I'm sure, I'm sure it's pretty evergreen. It'll hold true. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, tonight I want to talk about something that, that we've been uh, rolling out for quite some time now, ambassador program. I know that in the early episodes, you know, we were discussing what it looks like to have a footprint in some of our local retailers and in the markets that we're in. 
And we started to realize the need for an ambassador program for, for people that kind of extend beyond Kenny and Ryan that can get into more places to, to talk to people about Pursuit Spirits. And as we've done that, I just figured it'd be a good time to kind of talk about the ambassador program, you know, what we've seen from it so far, markets that it's in, and kind of growth potential for that. So again, that's wide scope. Let's pull back and dive on in. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of take the first stab at this. And I'll kind of start with the, the impetus on, on why we needed some of this, just to kind of give a more clarity on what, what Brian said there, is that one of the, the biggest things that we've seen as growing a brand is that Ryan and I, we're not, we're not scalable. We're two people that even though we have some microphones, we can get in front of a large audience. But when you're trying to sell a product, you got to understand that there's only a subset of that audience that's going to probably purchase that product. So we've got to figure out how do we how do we get that and amplify that message out there a lot more. And it's the same exact thing that if, if you want to try something new or if you want to buy something, odds are you're going to want to have either a glowing recommendation for somebody or you're going to have to try it first. You're just not going to go blindly into something and and purchase it. So as we started going trying to figure out how do we continually build the brand, how do we do this even further? One of the things that we've been accustomed to now is actually doing this is, is when you talk to distributors, you talk to different stores. Well, you go to these places, you do bottle signings, but when you do the bottle signing, well, you got to be there. You got to give out samples. Like samples are, it's the Costco model. That is how products get sold. That's how people know about things. That's what registers and, and hits something where people taste it and it becomes a memory. And all of a sudden they equate it to whatever it was. So as we start going through here, and we start talking to a lot of distributors and, and other folks and we're trying to figure out, well, they can get it on the shelf. It's our job to get it off the shelf. And there are what you would call, there, there's plenty of them out there. There, are, there. There's a hundred of them every single market. They're called tasting agencies. And I'm sure that anybody that's been to a liquor store before, you walk in and you probably see a guy or a gal behind a table and they are pouring something and they can probably answer some questions at a surface level area. Beyond that, there's really nothing more in depth they can go about. They can't really talk knowledgely, or should I say, with within depth about the product. Um, they can't get you all the specifics that you might want to know, but it's just there. They're here to serve the purpose of being able to do a tasting. Now, as Ron and I have been going through this process, we've realized that's a very expensive way to lose a lot of money because really what this does is that it's a way to throw money at a problem because you are doing what in the business they say is you got to get liquid to lips you got to people to try the product and sometimes you you strike gold every once in a while you'll have somebody that works for a tasting agency and they'll go and they'll knock it out they'll sell nine 12 bottles at a single tasting other times and what we've seen is kind of the I would say that the norm is that you might have one, two, three bottles is usually what they sell. So on average, they're usually not moving a whole lot of product. Plus the way that this typically works, and this is selfishly, is that it's a very expensive way to to, to do this as well. They They have a per dollar hour that it's there. Plus when they show up, they have to buy the product directly from the retailer. Now, when, they, when they're done with their tasting, those bottles that they purchase, 
they just end up on the shelf at either their house or a college party or whatever they're taking it to. And that's kind of when I kind of had this aha moment. And I said, there's just got to be a better way. And I think Ron and I had this conversation a few different times. And I just said, what, what if we could utilize our network, people that have a vested interest in our success, people that actually, they give a shit about whiskey, they care about whiskey in general, and, and they really just want to get behind a brand. And that's what we wanted to do. And that's what we said, well, let's just see if we can do and we'll kind of pilot this idea of building an ambassador program. And with this, we initially reached out to our, our Patreon community. And these, of course, are people with inside the Bourbon Pursuit Patreon community. They're already, they know our story inside and out. They listen to the show intently. They know exactly how to come across and talk about any kind of situation that may come up. And that was really the the kind of the start of it. And so I think we onboarded probably about 15 people through that program. And through there, we just tried to figure out, okay, what can we do? How can we adapt this? What do we, how, how do we need to change our story? How do we need to change our narrative? And from there, I started building out collateral and things that they need. We need to make sure that they have shelf talkers. They need uh, poor spouts. They need data sheets. They need a, a PDF that actually says like, here's the story. Here's the FAQs. Here's exactly, if you get asked a question, this is probably what, how you have to answer it. But for the most part, I think the great thing about this is that the people that we have been able to onboard, they they care. They, they care about whiskey. They know how to answer these questions. And I think that's one of the things that I'm sure we talked about on the show before is that we'll go into a tasting and into a store and somebody will come by and they'll say, well, how old's your whiskey? And we'll, you know, we'll say, oh, it's a blend of four to six years old. And they go, oh, I only drink eight-year-old whiskey. All right, well, what do you drink? Uh, old Forester. Well, I hate to tell you, that's a, that's a four-year-old whiskey. It, you got to have these these people that know whiskey to be able to talk to these, to talk to folks and make sure that they understand how can they relay the value prop to them as well. So that kind of just starts as, as the first of just like why we needed to do this. I felt it was very necessary for us to sit there and utilize our network of people that have reached, I mean, we reached 50,000 people a month through the podcast and as we started building this out, we started initially through Patreon, and then we started hinting out a few more different things through our This Week in Bourbon episode. And as it started becoming a little bit more prolific, and we started onboarding more people, I said, let's go ahead and let's put it in all the markets where we're currently at. So within nine different states, I said, let's go ahead, we'll bring on people that are in major cities and major territories. And within even the larger cities, we'll bring in multiple people too, just because we can allow people to go and tackle all these stores that are, I mean, gosh, think how big Houston's, I mean, Houston's a major, major city. Like we, we can use all the people we can in, in major places like that. And so I said, well, let's go ahead and let's bring on people that will be able to kind of run with this and be able to do it on, on their own independently. And I know I'm still rambling and stuff like this because I help, you know, kind of formulate a lot of this. But the the goal of this was to make sure that we brought on people that could operate and perform independently. As Ryan and I, being the only two people that take care of literally everything from finance to operations to HR to uh, I don't decision making to sales and and everything in between, I can't sit there and micromanage 
more people to say, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing this week? Where are you going to be at? So on and so forth. So we've been able to create a great network of people that can run this, uh, you know, independently and a little bit autonomously, we give them the guardrails. And that was one of the things that we initially, I initially did is when we started this out is every single state and every single distributor operates differently. And so we had to get all of the processes for every single state down. Those are different states that require certifications that require some sort of license to be able to serve alcohol or be able to do a tasting. We've got to make sure that we talk to the major retailers, your specs, your totals, your goody goodies, your uh, liquor barns, your evergreens, everything like that, and document the entire process of what it is to actually schedule at every single one of these places too. Just so when people do on board, well, now you have everything out here for you. You have to go figure it out. And so that was one of the initial things that we had to do was go and document everything that was out there just to make sure that when they do come on board, it's not a mystery. They don't need to go and try to figure it out and reinvent the wheel every single time. And as this has been happening, we've been able to start establishing more general points of contact or essentially basically city leaders in a lot of these major metros that know the process inside and out. And so as we do onboard more new people, that they can be the point of contact. They can be the person that helps them navigate through some of these muddy waters and and they can have a, a clear lane and trying to figure out exactly what are they supposed to do and how do they do it and how do they accomplish that. I'll wrap this up one more time before you probably get your next question. And what is their goal? Like, what is they? what are they working towards? And so not only is it just for in-store tastings, I said, as a part of this program, I want you to do at least one in-store tasting per month. I feel it's a reasonable ask. And we also incentivize you as a part of this. So you do uh, an in-store tasting for three hours, you get paid a hundred bucks. You're probably going to talk about whiskey anyway, so you might as well get paid to talk about it. That's the one thing that I thought was really cool about it. Plus, we will reimburse you for every single bottle of Pursuit Spirits that you purchase. And when you do that, you buy it, you take it to the store, you do the tasting, you're going to have stuff that's left over the bottle. Take it to your next tasting. Take it to your party that you're going to. Take it to your next bottle share. Take it to your next bourbon society meeting, whatever it is. And just be an ambassador, talk about it, get more people to try it. And knowing that we can recruit those kinds of people, I feel that we have a much greater avenue to success. And the second part of that is that not only can you just do it for those types of events, but we also need you at whiskey festivals. So you will be the person that's going to be at whiskey festivals representing the brand when hundreds of people are going to come up and ask to try the product. And you've got to be able to convey that story and be able to kind of be the extension of Ryan and I and be able to to do that and, and kind of help build the brand and, and, and sort of build that awareness that's out there. And so far, we have been able to onboard, I think, close to 55 people across nine states. And we are doing somewhere in the realm of 50 to 55 whiskey festivals this year with, Brian, you see it now too. We get all the notifications. So I guess we're probably doing close to anywhere between three to seven whiskey tastings every single week across those different geos as well. So it's it's right now, it's it's on a really good pace. Um, it's actually on such a good pace that I think we've already blown our marketing budget for the year. <laughs> you know, as Kenny discussed, we have a great audience. And the problem with the three-tier system and the way it's set up is like, you know, you have fans in this state, but you don't know where the cities, you don't know where the, the stores they shop at. And so you have to sell it to a distributor, then they have to get in the stores and you hope to have to be at the store 
And so you're, you're, you're having to do this shotgun approach. Whereas if, unfortunately there's not a direct to consumer model and not saying that there has to be, but we have to work within, you know, what, what is available to us, but it, it's a challenging because you have an audience, but it's hard to get to every single one of those audience listeners, you know, through the three tier system. And so you, like Kenny said, you have to branch out from that. And two, this ambassador program has been huge and we can't, I think initially got the idea was from, you know, was Steve Breen, you know, one of our loyal fans and listeners. I I remember number one, by the way, I remember after Palooza running to him on with my wife on the walking bridge here in downtown Louisville. And he said, Hey man, I love what y'all did the other day, you know, at Palooza telling your stories. Like if you want me to go tell that story at liquor stores for you, I'd love to. I'm retired. I live in Chicago, have time, have I'm in Louisville. And that's kind of the whole genesis of it. And it's been, I mean, it's been a game changer. I feel like it's really given us some momentum. And so I can't thank Steve enough. And he's, you know, him and the Chicago crew up there have just like crushed it. as far as tastings, but all the ambassadors have. And, um, you know, it's been a, Kenny's done such a great job of Kenny's, you give him a task and he's like hyper-focused and he does it so thorough. Whereas you give me a task, I'll hyper-focus, but it's kind of all over the place. And he's been a really good orchestrator for this. And I, I, I think the ambassador thing has just been a game changer. Tastings are good too. And one thing that I think we're learning as well is, where there might be another need for ambassadors is like just checking because typically you're sending ambassadors to clear, you know, like as Kenny talked about, you get distributors to put product on the shelves. We move it off. And typically, you know, our distributor is recommending, you know, like a three case minimum in stock to kind of justify an ambassador tasting, you know, that way they have the product there to sell enough product to sell and the stores kind of bought in and it justifies our cost of paying that being a, such a small brand, I think there's might be a benefit for ambassadors to not just doing tastings and selling the product. It might be also going just around the stores and checking in on the stores that, you know, might've bought a case or two or get feedback, just checking in. Cause you know, while distributors are a partner of yours and whatnot, we're learning that they're not going to sell the product for you and they're not going to put it on the shelf. So you, have to like figure out how do you extend the, the the product beyond just stores that are buying cases and cases and cases. And so I, I don't know. I, I think this ambassador thing, we can, we just kind of scratch the surface with um, the tasting side of things, but I, I'd love to explore, you know, more ways how we can, and to get put more, more, more money in their pocket, but also help grow the the brand other ways as well. I'm trying to figure that, wrap my head around that as well. And as you said that, there's been a huge amount of, I would say, diversity and ranges of ages of people that have signed up for this ambassador program. And I think that's that's a really cool thing. As as Ryan said, we've had people that are retired and they're just looking for something to do. I, I understand my my dad's retired and whenever I call him to ask him just to go help me like literally move something, he's like, Sure, I'll be there in 20 minutes. <laughs> just because he he just wants something to do. And and now that we give them an opportunity to do that, I think that's that's awesome because they're they're into whiskey and they're having fun too. There's also people that are really established in their careers. We're, I mean, we're talking C level executive folks that are wanting to do this. And that's what blows it literally blows my mind that they want to sit there and go hang out at the liquor store on the weekend and, and do this. And I can't say thank you enough. That's that's so cool. And then you've got 
people that are like Ryan and I, you know, with with families and kids that are still relatively young and they make time for it. They just want to have fun. They want to help support the mission. And then we've got people that are in their younger 20s uh, and they're just having fun with it. They're they want this as their entry into the liquor industry. And and this is just one way that they can have some little stepping stone into it. And so I think it's just been really cool to see just the the varied demographic of people just from an age perspective, be able to come into this. And we're able to kind of help supply that. And it, it's from people from all walks of life. And I think that's a really cool thing. And it's just even cooler that it's all kind of like, I just go back and I'm like, can you believe we built this with a fucking podcast? Like, it's a podcast that is bringing all these people together to kind of unite around one mission. And I, I think it's just a really cool thing to kind of take a step back and and analyze and look at. And I'm just, as Ryan said, I'm really excited to see how the immediate short-term success has been. And I'm really looking forward to what we can do here in the next few years because there are a lot more things that we can do. We can incentivize even further. Uh, and this is something that we still have to kind of flesh out and see what it looks like to to do more things of, yes, yes, we don't have placement at these stores. We need to have you check on these stores or get us a somewhere on a menu at an on-premise restaurant. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of things that we could go and, and we go could go hang some at. shelf talkers that the distributor got but never put out. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what me and my wife have been doing all weekend. <laughs> Just here locally, it's like we hand out we give distributors shelf talkers, but nobody puts them out. So you got to go to the store and check. It's just, there's so that's, what's frustrating about the three tier system is, you, you know, there's stores that are great that help you and do that supports you and stuff, but there's so much that, and it's understandably, they don't have the staff. They don't have the bandwidth, you know, it's, it, it everything's out of your control. And so you, there, there's so many things, little things that you got to go do just to make sure your brand succeeds. And it, there, there's so many little tasks that just get, kind of forgotten about and like it just check in to see if a store has bottles in inventory you know sometimes a bastard shows up and there's no bottles in inventory <laughs> you know to do a tasting that's a huge fail you know the other day i went into a store and there's we had bottles in stock but they were two tucked behind a row of four other brands you know and it's like wait a minute push them over back into our slot you know it's uh there's just so many little things that can be done it's just hard to to, to get it all done. And, you know, I went into a, a general sales meeting with one of our distributors and they go, you know, we're in their territory and we have, I said, we have four ambassadors in this area that we need to use and we need to utilize them. And they're like, that is incredible. Not even Diageo has provided that many ambassadors in this area, <laughs> big brands doing it. So that's just a shout out to our fan base and our, and people that have signed up for ambassadors. We don't, we're so grateful and so thankful and we need you like we need you big time because this system is really hard and it's really hard for small to middle sized brands to like even get penetration or get on shelves and to have the opportunity to clear products off the shelves. So we do not take it for granted. We can't even, I can't even describe how much we need you all. And thank you all so much for that. You kind of hit on this a little bit, Ryan, in regards to like what you uh, noticed when you were going into some of these stores in the market. But uh, has there been any feedback that you all have heard more uh, than anything else, either from the ambassadors themselves while while doing this in their markets that they've been in, or maybe from customers that they interact with during 
uh, kind of these demos or these tastings that they've kind of reported back to say, hey, this is coming up a lot, or these are questions that are asked a lot. Um, what what are you all noticing or, or hearing uh, as feedback uh, in these tastings so far? Yeah, I mean that's it's one of those things that it's it's continual improvement. That's that's all we're that's all we're doing. We we give them the tools to go out there and, and do what you would call the a, a minimum viable tasting. And from there, we need to figure out exactly what else do we need to help supplement this. And as a part of that, there's been some good feedback, especially when it comes to our products. Uh, not to say the product, but the product collateral. They go, this is cool. Like we see Pursuit United's one double gold. It's one best bourbon. But but who are the people? Like who's the people behind it? And I think that's one of the big things that we've missed the entire time is that that it's just not the whiskey. Like it's about Ryan and I, like we are, we are part of, we are literally the story on how this thing was built and how it came to be here. And it was a huge miss because we don't have any collateral that talks about the founders that to say that this isn't just some guys that have trust fund money or people that had a successful exit from a tech venture. And all of a sudden they can sit there and blow, you know, a million or $2 million on some kind of like fun little hobby. No, I mean, these are guys that built the world's largest whiskey podcast and now they're starting to make their own whiskey and kind of really put that out there. And that was a huge miss from us. And so now we're going back and we are creating more collateral that is, is showcasing or putting a little anecdote or a footnote on be able to say like, Hey, if you want to make sure you, you know, here's the whiskey, but make sure you go follow the podcast or, we're also going to create like a new five by seven card that'll have, you know, a nice big picture of Ryan and I on it, but also tell our story on it. It'll have our story. And then on the backside, we also want to have the story of United, just not because it's just the whiskey, but how did this whiskey become to be? Because we all know that, yeah, I, we could have gone and bought a bunch of 36% MGP barrels. We could have gone and just bought a bunch of Kentucky bourbon from, you know, one of the uh, top two or three people we could have purchased it from and put the same whiskey in the bottle that everybody else is doing, but we wanted to do something different. And I think those are the things that are the messages that we've missed. And so we're going back and we're trying to try to fix that. We're trying to spin it a little bit so we can make sure that we get everything out there. And so our ambassadors are equipped with all the information they need to be able to answer those questions as we go forward as well. I completely screwed up thinking that if you just put good whiskey and a good product in the bottle, it will sell. And whereas reality, it's marketing and storytelling. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to talk about yourself and how you've, and I do think our story is interesting and fascinating and it resonates with people. But I think when they hear it from other folks, it kind of resonates even more. And it's uh, something, you know, intriguing and a story that people can get behind and that we need to just kind of amplify that that uh, message, you know, people will go in there and they'll say, you know, they'll try the product. Most of it's pretty positive. And, you know, some will say it's too hot, but they're probably going in there just looking for, you know, Basil Hayden or, you know, a low proofer or whatever. You're, you're they not might not even be looking for a whiskey, my friend. <laughs> they might be looking for Fireball or some. Yeah. Flavored stuff. And they'll say, well, you know, I think it's really good. The price point is just not where I am today. And to, you know, when you go into this, like I was trying to tell when we had our first zoom with ambassadors, like don't get discouraged, like on your first tasting, if you don't, you know, move a ton of product, cause 80% of consumers that go into these things, this is statistics I learned in moonshine university. I pulled out my notebook, 80% of consumers that go in the liquor store, they've already made up their mind of what they're going to buy and they're going to walk out with that. And that's it. But if they try something, 
you know, they might, and they like it, they may go home and drink what they just purchased and be like, well, the thing I tried was actually better than what I bought going in there to buy. And so they'll come back and buy it that second time or third time. You can't just look at like the, the, you know, that initial, it's about getting the pro, you know, liquid to lips as people would say that, that that's just some of the feedback is they really like it. They're just not ready to drop that kind of money on the first time. I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> to kind of go back to your original point, we've had to refine and finesse and adapt our, you know, everything that we need to make sure that we are giving our ambassadors all the collateral that they need to be successful. And the only thing that we, we give away as a takeaway is stickers. So there you have Pursuit United stickers, you've got Pursuit Spirit stickers as kind of takeaways. So hopefully people are taking those and putting them on their Yetis and stuff. And maybe that'll pay dividends in the long run. Cause my God, I have spent, I think close to like maybe almost $4,000 in stickers since we started this whole thing. <laughs> and so I'm like, I, I hope this this uh, starts reaping dividends at some point. So of all the markets that you all have gone in, I'm just kind of curious, are there any that have been more surprising than others from the reception that you've seen, either from the amount of tastings that have taken place there or the feedback that, that has come or, or maybe purchases that have come from within those tastings at that market? I think it's it's been pretty pretty even keel uh, across all the markets. It, it's honestly... It's not because of it's not a specific market. It's it's just like, you know, you, you go into a basketball game and it's just like, is today your day? You know, that's that's really all it is. It's gonna be dependent on so many outside influences, whether it's the the window block that you chose, whether it's the right store that you chose, it do you have the foot traffic that day? Are the people that are coming in, do they care about whiskey? Do they just want their vodka? Or they, you know, it, there's there's so many there's so many unknowns that go into it. So you can't really sit there and say, oh yeah, one geo's killing it versus another one. I just think it it's all you just have to lump them all together and just kind of figure out how it's all how it's all working just because I I, I just feel that it's it's very unfair to to do that. But there definitely have been like I said, you get reports and all of a sudden you hear somebody sold like 14 bottles. You're like, holy smokes, like I don't think Ryan and I have ever sold 14 bottles, even at a bottle signing sometime. And, and, you know, you get somebody like that, that, that actually knows what they're doing. And I think that's the coolest thing is that we actually have a few people that are on the team that work for liquor stores. And so they know exactly how to, how to sell, how to talk to people and, and how to get people in. I mean, this is very much like an extrovert type of thing where as people walk by, you're gonna be like, hey, come over here. You're gonna try this. Hey, what do you think? You know, you gotta give me some feedback. What do you not like about it? What do you like about it? Maybe you should get a bottle. You know what? It's limited. You should probably get two. I mean, those are the types of people that are able to help <laughs> convey and and really help sell and move product. And so it, it's just one of those things that it's a, these aren't these people aren't professionals at it. Not all of them. You know, this is something that everybody's learning, but they're having fun with it. And I'm just glad that we can help give them an incentive to help build this brand and be a part of it too. And I think, I think that we'll be able to do a lot more cool things with them in the future too. I know that we do stuff for Pursuit Palooza already, which is for our Patreon community. I'm already thinking like, oh my gosh, like we need to have a weekend just for ambassadors where we show them everything. You Heck know, yeah that's that's going on behind the scenes that we can we can have them come and check out everything that we're building and what we're doing and they get first access to everything they get to try all the samples they get to try everything and i think that's the cool thing that we can do to help even further give them like a feeling that they're a part of this because that's that's one of the things that i put 
in the original collateral, like the PDF, when I say, hey, here's what the program outlines, and I talk about our story, and I say at the very top, I said, you are a part of we. And so when you go through and you are talking to somebody, you say we, as in Pursuit Spirits, you're a part of this brand. I don't want you to say it's like, oh, this these guys are doing it. Like, you are a part of everything that's happening, and I want them to feel like they are involved and they have a stake in it as well. You're talking about marketing budgets. I was just looking. Pulled <laughs> up. So, it's not good. So last year to date, we had spent $6,000 on advertising market. Today, we had spent $22,615 in, in March. So, yeah. And we're, in, we're just now entering middle of March. Yeah. So uh, we're, we've definitely eclipsed that. But yeah, this, this ambassador, it's been a huge, like, just kind of ace- you know, what's that saying? Like ace in the hole or ace up your whatever. Sleeve. Ace up your sleeve. Yeah, there it is. I'm usually the one that messes up the idioms. Well, because distributors will give you all kinds of excuses like bibbity blobbity, you can't move product, product's not moving, blah, blah, blah. You're not here to work the market. And the ambassadors give us a tool that we can say, all right, put it on the shelf, we'll clear it off. And that's what they do. Then that's what they've been doing for us. And it's been just instrumental because we can, you know, d- distributors. Well, we love them, but they will give you every with a with a small brand, they they'll give you all the excuses because they gotta you know deal with the bigger ones and whatnot. And I understand it. We pay your toilet paper bill or your paper towels. The bigger ones pay your actual paychecks. But the 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 ambassadors have just helped give us this momentum, the shot in the arm that we can go back and show distributors that yes, we're supporting the market. We're able to get product off the shelves. Uh, you know, it's, it's just been really a boost in the arm. So. so you had mentioned earlier that we're focusing on tastings in the markets that we're in, which makes sense. You want someone to be able to, to go into a store uh, and to pick that up. Uh, I'm kind of curious now because, and we haven't, we haven't talked about it all that much, but you know, uh, Sealbox recently expanded the, the reach that they have in terms of who they can ship to now, Shipping to, I want to say, 43 different states, which is great, especially for those who for a long time, they know the pursuit isn't in their local markets. And they also know, man, it's right there on Sealbox website, but I can't order it and have it shipped to me. Well, now for a lot of people, that's not the case. So the product's still there. And we've had people reach out to us in markets that we are not distributed in yet. Uh, What does it look like to perhaps, especially in light of you know, Sealbox or any of these other retailers that that might follow suit. What does that kind of look like? Are we starting to have conversations about tiptoeing in that in some capacity, or is it always going to be limited because of uh, the store not having access to that product? Yeah, it's you make a really good point here. But for the current moment, my thinking and my feeling is that we have to put all of our resources into people that are literally in the in the footprint of where the stores and the physical stores are located. And and that's not I, I totally get it. There's there's a there's an over there's an overwhelming presence of whiskey festivals and places that you can be and talk about the brand. But this is one of the reasons why we had to even go the traditional distribution route. If Ryan and I, if we remember at the very beginning when we started Pursuit Spirits and we were launching Pursuit series, I had this idea. It's like we are going to be an online only brand. We're going to sell the shit out of just being online only. People are to go online. We don't need to worry about traditional distribution. And that backfired like no other because 
there is a huge hurdle of having to get people to go online and click the purchase button. Plus, they got to pay an extra $15 to actually have it shipped to their door. Granted, for a lot of people, they see it as a convenience fee, and that's great. But a lot of people look at it as like, eh, it's an extra $15. I'll just go to the corner store and go pick up Old Forester 1910. So there's a huge hurdle there. And and that's why even with what I outline as, you know, we need at least one in-store tasting per month. You can do up to five per month. There's really no way that you can do that at a at a place that's not where we're distributed in and i don't i don't have i don't have the whatever the mapping or whatever it's going to look like of how we incentivize people on on whether they be an ambassador for something that we can't because we we can't track the sales we can't track exactly what they're doing and so i want to make sure that we and here's the thing is like everything that we've done so far it's a lot of us on the honor system I, I don't sit there and I say like, hey, I need you to give me a full detailed report. I need to see a picture with you at the table. I need to have a signature of the liquor. St- I don't do any of that stuff, man. It's like, it's an honor system. I want to make sure that you're having fun with this, but I don't want you to take advantage of us. And as soon as we move to that particular realm, I feel it opens up our security risk a lot more that we could get taken advantage of. And, and you know, as a, as a small budding brand who... Our marketing budget, as I mentioned earlier with Ryan, has already been pretty much blown out of the water. But we, we kind of, I kind of look at this and I say, listen, we're in a blitz mode. Like, let's go blitz. Let's spend some money and make this, you know, go big, go fast, and then we can try to see if we need to start. I would say tailing off. Like, we don't, we're not going to get rid of ambassadors, but we can say, like, hey, we need to, we need to slow down this process a little bit. So there's, there will be a process when we sit there and say, okay, we need to start curtailing this just a little bit because <laughs> I think Ryan and I, we talked a few different times already. It's like, I mean, Chicago is a great example. Like Chicago is almost selling out of Pursuit United Rye. I can look at Benny's website and I can see it's out of stock on, I don't know, 60 to 70% of the stores. And it's like, oh, okay, we can sell, but don't, don't sell too hard. Like we need to, we need to slow down just a little bit because we need to restock all this sort of stuff. And I think that's the the problem that we're going to run into is that we don't necessarily have the ability to go and restock everything and submit, you know, take care of all a bunch of reorders right away. So we need to make sure that we align this, this marketing blitz along with our product flow too. Yeah. And I just want to reiterate that the ambassadors have made more way more money than Kenny and I have on this <laughs> True. on this whole venture. Like we haven't even made a hundred dollars <laughs> on taking any distributions. So uh yeah the twenty two thousand six hundred is like and it's well worth it. I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that we have implemented this and I'm I hope people find this fun and adds a little extra cash in their pocket. But in regards to the ambassadors that you know we don't have physical lo- they're not able to do physical locations. I mean Let's talk through this if we have time, just hashing it out. It's like, could you have someone that's who's like maybe posting in, you know, online forums or in Facebook groups or in local whiskey clubs or, you know, and maybe people in the audience who are in have ideas that they could give this, you know, give us, you know, Brian, maybe you have some ideas of how we could flesh this out is uh, how do you be an ambassador, you know, where you're, you're doing online orders you know, only, I, I don't, I don't know. I think there's something, there could be something there. I just don't, like Kenny said, we don't know exactly how it'd be, but I'd love to figure a way to make it work for sure. We had a, a pair of ambassadors kind of do something like this already. I'm not going to, 
give names or put them in certain markets because I don't want anybody in trouble. But it was one of those things that said, hey, it's a, I, I, you know, I'm going to specify the exact Facebook group, but it's one that you can go ahead and give out a bunch of samples and people just say in. And they said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to take two bottles of each, split them up. So we got 24 different samples or 24 samples, uh, one of each. And we'll take the first, you know, the first 24, 24 people, we'll put them in a randomizer and we'll ship them to two out samples of Pursuit United of bourbon and rye. And that way we get more people to try it. It's a good idea, except, you know, we're just spending a lot more money on shipping at that point. But at that, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting more people to try it, but I can't necessarily say that equates to any sales. Uh, but again, it's just more awareness at that point. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's all good to have awareness. I feel like it'd be interesting to dabble with just as a thought, you know, maybe a slightly different model. Maybe it's not necessarily per, you know, out, per hour block thing that you're there where you can have p- potentially directly measurable sales from a, from that store. And it's something along the lines of they, they get a promo code, you know, that um, is mainly for tracking purposes, you know, and if those, it just registers to that, to that person. And, you know, they, there's like a, a percentage or dollar kind of commission per, per thing in regards to that, or yeah, you know, and it, and you know, if it's at a, at a bourbon tasting event, if it, if it is larger scale event or festival in an area where we don't distribute, but again, it it's hard. There's, there's delays to, to being able to track that stuff. So I understand the, the difficulty. I just knew there were a couple folks that had asked about it. So I figured if they're listening to this podcast, they might find it interesting to at least hear, you know, thought path as to why or where it might be going. Well, and we'd love to hear any suggestions too on how we might be able to make it work as well. You know, that's where immediately my mind went to is some kind of code and and maybe cut a deal on shipping cost or something to, you know, to get it in people's hands or something. I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're open to any feedback on this for sure, because I'd love to make it work somehow. But I understand there's it's challenging with a virtual uh, kind of thing. Yeah. And I at the very end, you know, while we're summing this up, feel free, email us podcast at pursuitspirits.com. Let us know, you know, if you have thoughts or or suggestions in regards to, to this sort of model, as well as let us know how you all like to receive information about the tastings or the events that are popping up. The, the banners that we have, they, they auto-populate. We send them out usually uh, somewhere on Instagram, whether it's a, a main post or it's in the story or on Facebook. Are you catching those? Are you missing those? Is there a better method that you would like to receive that? Say, a newsletter digest or something that could blast your phone. I don't know that we can do any of these things, but it would be great to (laughs) at least hear how you all might be able to see those. Or if you're someone who's come into the brand because someone did a demo in your area, we're glad that you're here. We'd love to hear if that's the case for you all. And I'd love to hear as I'm trying to be more present on Pursuit Spirits Instagram, I would love to hear what content would you like to see from a startup growing brand? Is it like the blending side? Is it the product size? The mark? Like, tell me what what you're interested in, and I'll help bring that side to you. Because I'm an open book. I'd love to share whatever. I just I'm insecure and I don't know what the hell to share, and I don't like it. So tell me what you want to hear, and I'll I'll put it out there. I don't know. I feel like we always get good comments and feedback from this, so I'm trying to utilize it the best I can. We really do. I uh, you know I've I'm 
in. If we haven't said it on the other episodes already lately, thanks to everyone who does email in and give us their feedback or suggestions or kind of wrap up on some of the topics when we throw out questions like this. It's been really great to be able to interact with you all. And it really helps, you know, see where we're going to focus on certain aspects or potential topics that we might talk about coming up. So I'll leave it on that. If there are other topics or questions you have for the guys for future episodes, podcast at PursuitSpirits.com. Make sure to let us know how you all like to receive information about the tastings and let us know if you all have thoughts on how we could do those better with our ambassador program as we continue through 2023 and beyond. If you are interested in becoming an ambassador, please reach out to me, Kenny at PursuitSpirits.com. I'd be more than happy to talk to you. At this time, just to be completely transparent, we are pretty adequately staffed around the country, except Texas. We are always looking for more people in the major metros, especially in Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, and Austin, uh, and even potentially El Paso. So if you're in the Texas area, please feel free to reach out. Um, but again, if you are in any other our distributed states, please don't hesitate and I can at least put you on a waiting list or anything like that, because I can understand with this type of work, there is going to be some some potential drop off, some people that may not want to do it forever, and that's perfectly fine. I always said that I understand everybody has full-time jobs, they have kids, they have everything else going on in their life, and you might sign up for it and you'll be like, hey, it was cool for a few months, I don't want to do this anymore. Or, hey, it was cool for nine years, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, you, How long are you going to stick with us? Uh, we'll make sure that we can keep a, a running list of, of names and people because... Uh, I, I hate turning people away, especially people that want to volunteer their time, but I also want to be cognizant and making sure we don't flood an area. And so that's just one of those things that I'm, I'm just trying to play a balancing act. And so uh, please don't hate me for it. Can you, I think, uh, forgive me, do we, I feel like we need maybe one or two in Mem the Memphis area too. Yes, yeah. correct. We, we need some more people in Memphis. Correct. Yeah, Memphis area. So if you're in the Memphis area, we could use you as well. Part of that, you just got to bring us cozy ribs at the same exact time. Yeah, you got <laughs> Put them on dry ice and ship them to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, everybody, for listening to another episode here on Behind the Pursuit. And until next time, we'll see you all later. <laughs>